This short code podcast is a proud member of the MedEd Media Network. Inspiration, information, and guidance on your journey to medical school and beyond at MedEdMedia.com. Meandering in the margins of medicine, it's the short code podcast. Weird news, fresh views, helpful clues, and interviews by students for students. Subscribe to our weekly show at theshortcoat.com. Welcome back to the Short Coat Podcast, a production of the University of Iowa Carver College of Medicine. I'm Dave Etler. It's a great day in medical education, but tragedy has struck the land. A sickness has spread from sea to shining sea blackening the hearts and minds of all it touches. We can feel it in our very cells. And our DNA cries out for sweet release. The scourge I speak of? Oh, but you know it too well. Every smart person does. I speak, my friends, of windmill cancer. Oh, I thought you were talking about anxiety. (laughs) (laughs) That's right, Donald Trump. He did say that. Windmill cancer. Yeah. Well, I mean, here's the thing. I feel lucky that you, my co-hosts, are here to fight this scourge, ready to apply every fiber of your beings, every neuron, every ATP molecule (laughs) to the cause. (laughs) Say hello to MD, PhD student LJ Agostinelli. Hey. Uh, we're joined by Arisa Mahaparn. The dragon consumes my enemies. And in a surprise third year appearance we have with us today, Philly Bogdanik. It's my honor to be here today <laughs> with so, you guys. I'm so glad you are here. Welcome. I, so you're new here. Tell us a little bit about yourself. What were you doing before medical school, for instance? I was living in Chicago. Um, I went to college there. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm originally from Croatia, but I grew up in the U.S. My family lives in Iowa. Um, yeah, and I ended up back here. What, what brought your family to, to Iowa? Um, so we lived in Pittsburgh for three years. Mm-hmm. Um, at the time, the U.S. was having a program for foreign doctors, making it easier for them to come over, and my dad took advantage of that. Oh, so your dad's a yeah, he's yeah. a physician. Okay. Um, he did neurosurgery in Croatia, but then when we came to the U.S., he did a internal medicine residency in Pittsburgh. And then um, it was sort of uncertain if we were going to be able to stay, but um, Fortune was with us. Things and we, have worked out. Yeah. And uh, and then we ended up in Iowa because they were specifically looking for a doctor who spoke um Bosnian. Mm. Uh, Bosnian and Croatian are almost the same language. And there's a, a quite a large Bosnian population in Waterloo, Iowa. So they were looking for someone like him. So it worked out. And what brought you onto the show? I guess I should ask. Um, well, as many things happen through some light coercion. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks From to who? LJ Agostinelli. Would, oh my, LJ. <laughs> she sounds delightful. <laughs> I mean, it's the reason why I get caught up in many things. Never thought I would do frolics, you know. Never thought I would go see uh, Legally Blonde the musical. But all these things are LJ. When you're when you're friends with LJ, things just kind of happen to you that you don't expect. <laughs> That's fantastic. I think so. Uh, Boy. Well, good. Uh, as I said, I'm, I'm happy you're here for whatever reason. Um, and we have a couple of listener questions that maybe uh, you can help with. Uh, 
Here's a listener question from Karsten, who's going to start med school this fall. Let's hear from Karsten. Hello. I am a longtime listener of the Short Coat Podcast, and with the advice of the CECOM students, I was able to get into medical school this year. I know this is one of the most popular pre-med slash med podcasts from the allopathic medical schools, and I was curious if you knew about any osteopathic school podcasts? I will be matriculating into an osteopathic medical school, and I have an interest in starting a podcast to raise awareness of the similarities and differences of osteopathic medical education and medical students. I was curious about a few things I would need to get started like equipment, editing software, a podcast platform like Stitcher or Apple Podcast, and any other information you can give. Thank you so much for being a positive example and encouraging so many people like me to follow their dreams in medicine. Oh shucks, Karsten. That's very nice of you to say. Uh, do you guys uh, know any DO podcasts off the top of your head? I I, I can't say that I do. I got, here's, the, here's the thing about me. I don't listen. Mostly, I don't listen to podcasts for educational purposes. <gasps> I know. I just want to be entertained. I want to escape real life. You know, whenever I'm, uh, you know, uh, choosing a form of entertainment. But one could argue, though, that the best podcasts are educational while they're entertaining. Really? Yeah. So yeah. you were I was say. about to say, because I was gonna say <laughs> that's the reason why I think people like stuff you should know, because obviously you learn a random yeah. amount of stuff, but it's so easy and funny and approachable that like it doesn't feel like work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it's I not like listening to like, a med school lecture and calling that a podcast because it ain't. Yeah. <laughs> no. no, I can appreciate that. I just tend to gravitate towards uh, uh, a comedy uh, podcasters and what are your favorite podcasts? I'm curious. Oh, uh, let's see. I've been listening to uh, my brother, my brother and me, the McElroy, McElroy brothers. Mm-hmm. Highly recommended. They're they call themselves an advice show for the modern era. Era. Let's see what else. I listen to Jordan Jesse Go, which is a uh, podcast uh, where Jordan and Jesse interview comedians or actually just talk with comedians. It's all bullshit for like you know more than an hour, um, but it makes me laugh. And um, let's see, one more. Oh, uh, hello from the Magic Tavern. It's an improv com, uh, improv podcast in which um, everything that they say in each show becomes canon for future shows. So, and they've been going on for four years now. And it's also very funny. Not you shouldn't listen to it with children, even though I do with mine, um, because I'm a bad parent. That explains a lot about your kids. Yes. Yes, it does. Yeah. It sure does. And I listened to Legends of the Wild West and six hours straight of cat noises. Oh. I have no doubt that that last part is true. Yeah. <laughs> it's bonding activity. Yeah. I, 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 I wish we could uh, contribute to your Dio podcast. Um, oh, no, wait. Now I just... I just Two, my two of my BFFs are in D are in DO schools. Oh yeah. Uh huh. But cool. they've only they but like we talk shit with each other. So the only thing I've ever heard was the very worst of worst. So I don't think that's. So you mean you you uh, you um you you talk poorly about each other's career choices, or you just? Mm-hmm. Okay. We talk shit about. We talk. Sh- oh no no not Friend, about each other. Friendly. Oh okay. No, no, not about each other. We talk about like we talk about shit that's going on in our lives. Oh, okay, so okay. therefore, I really only heard like the worst parts of DO school and not the normal parts. Yeah. So, I, I I think that uh, I, I wish we could help. Uh, I think mm-hmm. you're. I, I think you're going to have to do a Google search. I to, think I uh, found one. Oh, what's that? Questioning medicine. Uh huh. <laughs> Two resident DOs. 
Actually, well, they were at least resident DOs at the time at 2015 when this was written, but mm-hmm. people have uh, talked about it. Yeah. And LJ, didn't you show me like this YouTuber who is a DO? Oh, the fame. We ta- we've talked about him before on okay. the podcast. Like the you know the the good looking YouTuber doctor guy who gives like a ton. Oh. Is it Doctor Mike? Is yes. A- yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. He's a, he's a DO, and he'll like watch episodes of Grey's Anatomy or. What is the good doctor? Like, mm-hmm. And then he'll comment and oh, be like... Oh, the Max Demi guy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's basically a, po- a visual podcast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, he's, and he's a DO. Yes. Okay. He's very popular on YouTube. I, you know, like, I, I, I like this idea, Karsten, of your podcast. And I, I'm always um, supportive of medical students of any sort um, doing podcasting because I can't imagine a better way to explore your career mm-hmm. um, than by doing it. And anything that you say can and will be used against you. Yeah, I mean, that's, <laughs> I suppose that's uh, one caveat. Um, somebody important might listen. Yeah, um, or I your, used to be, or your future patients. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, that guy treats me. Yikes. <laughs> but you know, you're, you're, uh, I'm sure you're professional enough to, uh, to navigate those, those issues. Yeah. And this is why you never butt shug on a podcast. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> That's you know. And That's the only reason why is, you don't butt chug. On that is in fact yeah. my uh, my my central tenant of my life. Oh shoot! Is that our game for today? Don't well. <laughs> I did not. I did not think of that. That's a good. I'm worried idea. about all the listeners who are now googling butt chug. Oh, their <laughs> their internet history. No. Uh, we'll show you after the podcast. Oh, you will show <laughs> with a Google search. With a Google search, I need to um, add asterisks with a Google search. With safe search off. Yes, <laughs> on Dave's computer. I just <laughs> knew this was going to be educational. Yeah, Thank yeah. you, LJ. You're welcome yeah. for for bringing me here. I'm excited to get a question that I can answer though um, on the show, so I will. Um, so yeah, as I said, I'd like to encourage people to do podcasts. I'm always happy to answer questions and here we go. Um, my number one piece of advice for new podcasters or people who are thinking about a podcast, don't start thinking about equipment. Um, you know, a lot of your questions were involving the technical aspects of podcasting, but that's not where you want to start. Start with the purpose, the audience, the budget, the format. Those are going to inform all of your other choices. So, for instance, at a very high level, why do you want to do a podcast? What do you want to accomplish? Do you want glory and money? Uh, Do you want to just have some fun? Do you want to explore a topic? Do you want to meet interesting people? Those are all, um, well, I would say that the first one is not a great reason to start a podcast because you probably won't achieve glory and money. You'll, you know, I think the best you can hope for is is a nice, lovely niche audience uh, like that, which we are uh, benefit beneficiaries of, and beautiful company every Friday. And love that. See, that's the thing. <laughs> that is the thing. Like I do this in the early days. I could not say, you know, oh, I'm doing this because we have so much audience interaction. Do you know what I'm saying? Like the the best and the worst thing about podcasting when you first started is no one is listening. So on the plus yeah. side, you can screw it up real bad and nobody will know. Mm. Except for like mm-hmm. your mom, um, <laughs> and if you're lucky, and not my mom. So you know, my mom does listen to the podcast. I know time. she oh. does. Hello, hi, mother, mom, mother Mahapan. <laughs> um, so yeah, explore why you want to do this, um, because you know if it's for glory and money, then you're gonna you're in for a long slog, and then eventually you will fade out and not want to do it. Mm. Um, who's your audience? Uh, you know, cause you're going to want to figure out where to promote your show. 
Um, one of the mistakes I made or didn't understand, or you know, I just didn't think of it was you want to promote your podcast where your audience is. Um, and, um, and that's going to help you get, get listeners. That's probably one of the reasons why for so long we didn't have very many listeners. Um, what's your budget? Because that's going to influence the equipment you buy along with the format. Um, so the format, one man show, uh, in-person round table, like we do, uh, remote round table, in-person interview, remote interviews, all these things will inform your choices for equipment. Um, and there's a lot of equipment. The great thing about starting a podcast now is that there are so many people who want to take your money, uh, on equipment and hosting and all that kind of stuff. Look for an established podcast host. Don't try to DIY it. Um, just look for a podcast host. It'll, you'll, you'll pay them. Um, but usually not a lot of money and, uh, it will be useful to you to not have to worry about all the technical aspects. Uh, as for advice, join Podcast Movement's Facebook group and consider going to their yearly conference. Lots of good advice there, but do me a favor and search the group for answers to your question before you post one. Mother of God. <laughs> yes. Good life advice. Yes. Always. And I just heard an episode of Podcasters Roundtable, if I can buzz market them for a moment, that I wish I'd heard long ago. It's called Podcast Myths. I think it's their latest, and it explores some of the bits of conventional wisdom that might be incorrect with some veteran podcasters. I'm not sure if all the myths are myths as they say they are, but, um, I thought good perspective. So nice. best of luck to you in your podcast journey, whatever you do, try to fit it into your new med student lifestyle as best you can, because man, you're going to be, I don't know how it is in DO school, but I'm pretty sure it's similar to med mm -hmm. school in terms of workload and all that kind of stuff. You're going to be, uh, you're going to be swamped. Yeah. I heard you have to arrange your own rotations for DO school. Oh Yeah. Yeah, that's... Or that might be. Hang in there, dude. Yeah, go for it. Airbnb. Dio's Rock, too. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, and keep us posted about your journey. Uh, we'd love to hear about uh, both journeys. Uh, listener Coleman wrote in after our recent show with admissions assistant director Amy Ahern to ask this question. Hi, short co-team. I am a junior permit student at Auburn University, War Eagle. I have been listening for a couple of months now and really appreciate the good advice as well as entertainment. I heard on the last show that Ms. Ahern mentioned visiting medical schools as one of the best ways to learn about them for applying. I'm planning on taking a few trips this summer to tour schools before I apply. My question is, most medical school websites don't seem to have a lot of concrete information about potential student visits, campus tour, etc. Do you all have any practical advice or experience on how to make the most out of planning and visiting medical schools before applying? Thanks for the help and keep up the good work. Oh, thank you. Uh, appreciate your, uh, your, th your uh, compliments and your question. What do you guys think? Guess, did you guys have a strategy? Well, I, I, I didn't missed that part of the, the question initially when you mentioned it uh, about before applying. I think uh, you meant yeah. like on the med school interview tour. Uh, on the on the interview trail when they yeah when they when you're interviewing at schools and they yeah. give you tours yeah 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 sorry I don't um, know if that's conventional I think, think so. yeah it's I don't think it is quite conventional because what what isn't conventional. Uh, visiting med schools before applying, oh, yeah. actually, because I, well, I think at least for most people, mm -hmm. you know, going to the schools that they do get into is already enough of a uh, project and, and money and time. 
Um, but I mean, if you if you have the time and the the means to do some traveling during the summer and and visit a couple schools, you can always contact the admissions office. You know, you might not see anything on the on the website for like an official uh, visit. Um, but you can always set up an unofficial visit and, and they can, you know, set you up with a student who has a free couple hours in the afternoon to sort of give you a very informal tour, answer some questions. So, um, I'd say go for it. Yeah, we actually do have a, a uh, our admissions department actually does do individual tours sort of as a matter of course. I don't, yeah, like you say, I don't know if that's common at, at other schools or if even a ton of people take advantage of it, but they do have, um, you know, they do try to hook you up with people who will, uh, answer, who will answer your questions, students. And then they are, um, and then they'll be able to sit down with you afterwards to answer any other questions that you might have or which come up that they students can't, can't answer. Yeah. I've never done that before, but my only concern is like, it's like, it does cause quite a lot to fly around. I mean, if you're across the street from a medical school, I think it would make perfect sense to go oh, yeah. uh, to go over and just like say hi and, and ask about it. But I wouldn't go flying out of your way just for that. I mean, no? like, at least wait for them to um, offer you an interview first. Yeah. I think you could also create, I mean, it, like, you said, like you said, if it's convenient and it's nearby or you can drive. But I, in case there's anybody listening who is now like panic stricken being like, I'm behind the curve and I haven't visited schools before I applied, like I... I think that's totally fine. And I'm not sure if I would even really recommend it because I, I can't imagine getting your heart set on something that you went and visited and then you don't get an interview or something like that. Mm. To be honest, I feel mm. like it yeah. could be a little bit premature to visit schools before. I mean, I don't know. It's one thing to visit like the campus and just get a vibe for walking around and seeing buildings, but like mm -hmm. to go in and see where the med students study and look at the classrooms and oh, well, that's a little might, creepy. Might, might be a bit much before you even applied. Yeah. But it's a little creepy. It's, it's, a, well, that, that's my impression, but like, I, I could be wrong. I, Maybe it's different elsewhere, but I no, would not. I wouldn't say creepy unless they're like literally visiting the school in order to, to watch med students study as LJ said. <laughs> Um, all right, well, this is interesting. I, I kind of did not expect you guys to, uh, to, I don't know, you're not, you're not down on the topic, but I mean, I, I've never heard of it before, actually. Yeah. I wasn't expecting that. I thought honest. you meant tours, like if you have already, um, on your, on your interview tour yeah, yeah. or you're on your revisit tour that may, the, the type of thing I would look for is completely different than. All right. But what if, mm -hmm. what if, uh, young Coleman uh, you know, has decided this is what he wants to do. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I, I had some thoughts about it. You guys can let me know. Um, when you ask for a tour, Oh, here's the other reason it might not be on the website. Um, the thing about medical school is no one's really going to hold your hand to get you in the door. So for better or for worse, you've got to be your own agent. Mm -hmm. Um, med schools are looking for a certain amount of maturity. And part of that is being resourceful enough to acquire the information that you want. Um, now, are we put out a ton, metric ton of information on our on our website, probably more than a lot of people do, probably more even than is practical, but that's what we do. Mm -hmm. um, which means that you're doing the right thing by searching websites first, um, instead mm -hmm. of just calling the admissions office. I mean, they're happy to take your calls, but they also get a lot of the same questions over and over and over and over and over again. And I, and some of which one are of the, found on the website, one of their complaints. Yeah. Yeah. One of their complaints I know is it's on the damn website. Yeah. Especially you know? the requirements. Like how many math courses do you need? How many like 
it, it's on the website. Yeah, it's all there. Um, one thing I heard, and I'm sure Coleman doesn't need this advice, but one thing I heard uh, in a discussion with uh, some admissions folks yesterday um, that had nothing to do with this question, um, if you're rude or abrupt with the person answering the phone, you will be flagged as such. Um, you know, they, 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 they keep track of people who call, I think at least informally. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and that will affect your future chances. Um, because if you're rude to the person who, um, and, and definitely don't do this if you got rejected and are calling to, um, discuss your application and why that didn't work out. That's not going to help you. Don't do that. Well, I, so, oh no, <laughs> oh, I think I, don't be rude on the phone, but yeah, definitely, no, no, but definitely no, call rude. in. Yes, for sure. Don't be rude. But I have heard that. Philly's coming out in defense of rude people now. So this is a controversial, <laughs> no, no, no. Un unpopular opinion. Not, not defense of rude people, but defense of, you know, if you applied and you didn't get into med school your first year that you applied, uh, it might benefit you oh, yeah. to go and ask in a very polite way, yes. of course, you know, how can I improve my application? What can I do better next time? So yeah, I don't fact, think people should be discouraged no, to no, no, do no, no, that, no. but don't be, you know, don't be a sore loser about it. Don't be bitter. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Don't would, argue your case. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's not the time to, I mean, it's that ship has sailed, you know, you can argue next time. Uh, no, I, I didn't mean to imply that. In fact, I know that our admissions people are right even as we speak, uh, engaged in a s several many weeks long process of talking to people who didn't get in to help them for next time, which is nice of them mm. to do that. I don't think uh, all schools will do that. So I guess some other things for tours, uh, other than be nice to them on the phone, um, ask for what you want. You know, if you're going to do a tour, ask for, you know, let them know what your interests are. You know, if you're interested in research, uh, tell them that, uh, tell them what school you're calling from. Um, if you're going to do this by email, consider not using your Gmail address, use your school address so that they have that information already. Oh, wait. So they won't do very, I won't do very well if they get like emails from like, but 6969 at gmail.com. Exactly right. <laughs> oh, that's what I did wrong. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I would, uh, I would avoid that. Um, uh, yeah. So if you give them that information, they'll try to hook you up with uh, tour guides who have similar backgrounds and interests and who can sort of be sympathetic and answer your questions. And I, when you and when you take your tour, when you actually get to school and you take your tour, reiterate, reiterate your guide, reiterate to your guide those same interests uh, just in case they didn't get passed along so that they can so that they can help you out. Because I think like you were saying, um, as bad as it can be to ask questions that are already on the website that show you didn't read it, it can be very much in your favor, I think, to ask questions that show that you have really done your research and that you have genuine interest in things. For example, if you've heard of, you know, the um, the humanities distinction track and, and you're really curious about it because that fits your interest and then asking more questions about that, I think really shows people like, wow, this person is genuinely, you know, excited to at the possibility of coming here and they're already thinking about what kinds of things they want to participate in if they are admitted here. And I think that makes a really good impression. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Although I guess the, the only thing I would say about that is I'm not sure that at that stage, at the, at the individual tour stage, um, I mean, you're, I guess you could, I, I guess it's, it's a good idea to make a positive impression no matter where you go. I mean, that's just mm -hmm. probably good advice for life. Um, uh, but don't think I, I wouldn't I would think of it less as an opportunity to kiss ass. Um, 
<laughs> and, and, you know, just be a proper human being. Coleman, let us know how it goes. Keep in touch. Godspeed. Godspeed, my friend. Uh, a while back, we had a question that I played on the show, but we couldn't answer. Uh, because uh, the person, the subject of that question was not here. But today, Arisa is here. Ta-da! Yeah, Sierra wrote to us to express her affinity with, uh, with Arisa's chosen specialty. Here's Sierra. Hello, Short Copes and Dave. I have noticed when listening to the recent episodes that Arisa is interested in geriatrics. This is very exciting because I am also interested in geriatrics. I would love to hear more about the opportunities in medical school to get more involved in the field of geriatrics. I am an undergrad now and have been shadowing a geriatrician and lobbyist. It would be really great if Arisa could just talk about her love for geriatrics so we can bond over our love for the elderly. Thanks for all you do. You're welcome. Thanks for calling. I don't remember. <laughs> I had to dredge up this recording from a long time ago, and I've forgotten what a great voice it is. This is a disclaimer. I was laughing at the... Um, geriatrics. At the geriatrics. Geriatrics. Right. Not the question. So, Arisa, expound on your love for geriatrics. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Um... Anyways, so um, you guys probably know my name is Irisa, and I'm interested in going on to a geriatrics fellowship, but also, but I'm also going to internal medicine. That's um, a lot of times when we think about geriatrics or people who go into geriatrics fellowship, they're oftentimes coming from a family medicine background, which is great because um, just due to the just due to nature of the practice, I'm coming from an internal medicine. Um, I'm. I mentioned internal medicine this year, so I'll be going from there, which is a little bit more unusual, but still perfectly doable. In fact, like technically, any um, technically, I think there's no specialty that you, that you can't go into geriatrics from. Yeah, you could be an OB geriat, you know, or somebody an OB who focuses mm. on geriatric population. Yeah, if you, you wanted to be. You yeah, you can because like especially the geri geriatric women tend to have like a lot of you know mm. like continence um, issues, yeah. a lot of. A lot of like vaginal vulval issues that are that can really have an impact on quality of life. You could be a psychiatrist who focuses on uh, the geriatrics issues, yeah. I imagine. Yeah, Jerry Psych, and we and we are in desperate need of more people like that. So if you're interested in psych and interested in geriatrics, there is a job for you. <laughs> Anyways, I've always been interested in geriatrics since I was like um, since I was really little. I've always really enjoyed working with the elderly, and that's actually what brought me to. Um, apply to medical school in the first place. But a good thing about geriatrics is that almost everything that we do here is geriatrics anyways. Most health, like a lot of health, the health problems that we deal with on a like daily basis on the inpatient unit are, do involve, um, are common and do involve people in um, people that of more advanced age. But um, what I like about here is that they actually have what I'm interested in, which is a geriatric clinic. Um, not every not every hospital center has one. Iowa happens to have a, um, a very a very good one that medical students can actually get involved in via um, via the um, geriatrics rotation. And I thought that that was a very good, very um, very specialized intro to geriatrics. And even if you're not planning to go into geriatrics, I think it's a good idea to, for anyone who might be working with the elderly to um take to um to take on anyways, because it really gives you a whole new perspective. I um here's another uh, uh, show to buzz market. Um, recently, the Try Guys on YouTube. Do you guys uh, guys familiar with the yeah. Try Guys? Mm -hmm. They're doing a series on. Um, on uh, being elderly right now, they're wearing 
the uh, these sort of uh, suits that simulate uh, what elderly people uh, experience and in interviewing um, elderly people. And uh, it's a lot of fun. It's very funny, but it's also um, an interesting way to get. I don't know, some mm -hmm. perspective on what it's like to have your body slowly crap out on you. <laughs> of course, it's and, also, geriatrics uh, is also an extremely diverse field. I mean, there's so many different people at so many different levels of function that sometimes it's even hard to compare. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. Um, so you, so you'll, you'll, you'll go through your, inter what's the process mm -hmm. for you from now on specifically? You go through your internal medicine uh, what is it? PGY one. Yeah. Oh, um, my goal. How does it work? Yeah. So, oh, so the geriatric. Um, I see anyone. If you go into primary care, I have no doubt that you'll be encountering many geriatric yeah. patients. If you go into any medical field, except for maybe peds, I think you'll be. Um, I think you'll be a quasi geriatrician just by nature of the population. Uh -huh. Yeah. Um, what I want to concentrate on geriatrics on our primary care settings. So what I am doing is that I am going to three years of an internal medicine residence and then going on to maybe a one or two, um, one or two year geriatric fellowship. Mm -hmm. And that's it. It's that's pretty similar to the typical path, which is like go from psych or go from family med and then do the fellowship. Only I'm going to internal medicine. Some concerns that I did have when choosing to go to internal medicine instead of family medicine route because I was really angsting about this for a while. Like, should I go family med or should I go internal med? And one of the concerns I had was that um, in internal med, we ha we're like 50% inpatient, 50%, um, at least 50% inpatient and at most 50% outpatient. And I really want to do primary care as an outpatient. I see. So technically, technically looking at that, family medicine might have been a better fit for me. But um, the way that my mentors described it is like um, internal medicine will give you depth of learning and family medicine will give you breadth of learning. I see. Yeah, yeah. Um, I did not. I would much rather I would much rather be um, spending my time and learning about um, geriatrics and elderly in an inpatient setting than um, than like things that I don't I'm really sincerely not interested in like peas and OB-GYN. Um, for me, it would be a, it, for me. I found it would be a better trade off to um, to learn more inpatient than that. Um, than that, anyways, and not to mention that like the, um, a lot of programs I applied to have a primary care track. So really looking forward to seeing if that's a good fit for me. You can be board certified in geriatrics, right? Um, board certified internal. Yeah, yeah, you can. But I'm not. I'm just going for the fellowship at this point. I haven't thought that far ahead. Okay, <laughs> fair enough. Um. Board certification just means that you have that sort of extra credential that says yeah. you're an expert in, in geriatrics. If yeah, you want. I'm still not entirely sure what a board certification like even means. Like, yeah, no, I, I mean, I think it's uh, pretty much that, right? I hope. Well, yeah, I hope but I'm like, not wrong. I mean, yeah, but it's like you, because like if you pass the boards, your board sort of your board certified. If you don't pass the boards, you're not board certified, but you're still a doctor, and that's perfectly okay. Yeah. I just, it's just really confusing. There's just so many like titles and like, and like official credentials that get thrown around that it's really overwhelming sometimes. Yeah. I did not realize until recently hearing about some cases in my hometown that, that you can be, uh, you can be a working doctor, but not be board certified. Mm -hmm. But apparently that just makes it harder to get hired yeah. and it's more expensive to insure yeah. you. Especially for oh. certain. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Interesting. Wouldn't advise that path. Yeah, no, not, uh, <laughs> not a great idea. Uh, but you can still practice and stuff like that, apparently. I don't know. I mean, yeah, there's, I mean, yeah. Okay. 
I won't go. For, I guess we don't need to go on about that. Oh, sorry. <laughs> too much. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I hope we uh, hope we finally answered your question. Sorry it took uh, so long. And thanks, Arisa, for uh, remembering that Sierra asked that question and making me uh, bring it up on the show today. Yeah, no problem. And thank you, Sierra, for asking that question. Um, let's be Jerry Buddies. Yeah, Yay. Jerry Buddies. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's cute. Cute. <laughs> uh, we're going to take a break for a moment to discuss something very important. Uh, Philly, mm-hmm. do you know that we sell T-shirts? Yes, I see them right here. They're beautiful. Uh, thank you. Can, what do you open one up there? Tell me, tell me something about what you see there. Okay. Well, this sell it. Is sell a... it, man. I want people to. I want people to buy this T-shirt. Okay. Well, <laughs> I just have like this feeling as I'm holding it that if you were to put on this T-shirt, you would just be like the sexiest person that oh. ever walked the halls of <laughs> Carver College of Medicine. And smart. And smart. Um. You know, what stands out to me is this beautiful light lavender slash periwinkle color. Mm. And then there's an image. Also offered in gray for those who don't like periwinkle. Yeah, sort of a heather, <laughs> heather black, we call it. Yeah, yeah for the color blind. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, and then there's this beautifully illustrated image of a cadaver's head. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how else to explain it. Um you know, it doesn't sound great to say that it's a head with the skin removed and, I was and the, say, muscles like, the muscular are, are view labeled. of the face, yeah. but we could go with cadaver's head. But yeah. it's wearing headphones, so it's like It takes the ironic. curse off of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's quirky. It's quirky, it's fun, it's sexy. Yeah. And when I think I, everyone needs one. When I designed that t shirt, I was thinking, you know, maybe I could use other things to take the curse off it a little bit instead of just being a cadaver's head, like, you know. Mm-hmm. I don't know, like a nose ring or, uh, you know, something along those lines. I'm glad you but I chose headphones. headphones. Yeah, I chose yeah. headphones. Um, yeah, you, I mean, the reason we sell these is because we want to give the money away to charity. I mean, I don't really need the money. You know, I got a, I got a, I got a good thing going on here um, <laughs> with the Carver College of Medicine paying for this podcast. And, and our charity of the semester is the National Alliance on Mental Illness. So all the proceeds from T-shirt sales and any sponsorships we might get will go to aid their mission to end the stigma of mental illness. So what I'm asking our listeners to do, this is very important. Are you listening, listeners? Yes. Oh, okay. (laughs) My my God, the listeners can talk back. (laughs) Um, We need everyone to step up and buy a t-shirt. I'm coming Um, for you. they're, (laughs) They're only 15 bucks and you get to do something great for med students. Uh, your family members in the world by buying a shirt for your bod. Dang, head on over where you live. Head on over to the com slash store to get yours right now. Satan. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Y'all, my memory is terrible. My memory oh. is terrible. Let's just address the elephant in the room. Arisa had to remind me of Sierra's question. Um, you know, I have to I sometimes I forget to do laundry until I have nothing left to wear. Mm-hmm. Is that um, a memory issue or it a is motivation? A, I don't think that's a memory issue, issue Dave. <laughs> Sometimes it's a memory issue. Sometimes it's a motivation issue. So when I think about the massive amounts of stuff you guys have to remember, uh, just cramming it into your noggin, that scares the crap out of me. Me you too. Know, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> me three. But scientists have found that a decline in work, working memory can be temporarily, anyway, reversed using non-invasive transcranial alternating current s- stimulation. So uh, you guys know anything about... Uh, transcranial stimulation what does that mean lj uh, well trans across 
lacranium. So basically they're, they're attempting to stimulate the brain by not invasively putting an electrode or something into the brain. Uh, you can do this from just on, like on top of a patient's head, basically. Yeah. So you, I think they use ele uh, electromagnetic fields um, instead of direct application of electricity, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. We do have a direct application where you actually implant an electrode inside the brain that's used for some things like um, most notably for Parkinson's, but it's also had some use in um, depression and OCD. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We uh, we interviewed a uh, medical inventor not long ago, uh, Matt Howard, Matthew Howard, um, about his work um, in internal implants. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, yeah, this is this is interesting to me. Um, the experiment that um, is in question today involved adults 60 to 76 years old. Their brains were stimulated for 25 minutes to influence the synchronization of brain activity in two areas, the prefrontal and temporal regions. In younger people, these two areas are more rhythmic in their synchronization than in other people, I guess, and then in older people. Um, after the stimulation period, subjects experienced a rapid improvement in working memory performance for a time that was longer than the 50-minute post-stimulation measurement period. Sign me the heck up. <laughs> I am all over that. What do you guys think of this? I, I, okay, well, I mean, c cool, first of all. <laughs> Cool. Cool. Cool, just, cool. 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 I guess I have. So, so for everyone listening, there's it's a Nature Neuroscience um, article from it's uh, two scientists from Boston University, mm -hmm. and then we were talking about a kind of pop science article written about the article, which of course always happens. Big papers come out, and then you see in all sorts of various news forms articles about the articles about the original scientific article yeah and th there's a lot of and, and i confess it was the uh the popular the popular press version of the study that of course caught my attention because that's of course well because the, i am into clickbait if you big time let's, let's let's compare the titles first of all working memory reviewed in older adults by synchronizing rhythmic brain circuits is that more interesting or is scientists fix people's working memory with simple electrical zaps to the brain. I mean, that, <laughs> I wonder which one was the, the original article, you know? So also a lot of people don't have access to, um, you know, primary literature. They don't search PubMed every day, or maybe they don't have a university account where they can get that sort of stuff for free. So maybe, you know, reading news articles where it's free on the internet you can you can kind of get the gist of what's going on in the scientific community but sometimes it's just a big um extraction or, or they make bigger claims like what was the fart one philly farts oh, cure cancer right. yeah so there was a and i'm taking this from john oliver had a great clip on on just this whole issue of how things get blown out of proportion when it comes to translating science for the masses but there was a study that said you know some kind of sulfur containing um compounds were found to you know halt the um the growth of cancer cells and somehow that got warped into farts cause cancer yeah I, i'm pretty sure we talked about that on the show how could i resist <laughs> yeah you know <laughs> and we're <Yes>. cured <laughs> anyway i i was just commenting that like i think a lot of research is useful, but then the way it's interpreted in the public, people either bend it to be much more dramatic or they um, they take a simple study from we know where like they, they'll do like a rodent paradigm, which is definitely relevant to you know human health. And then people will run to the nearest grocery store and start 
changing their diets dramatically based on something that you know was happening or whatever. Yeah, and, this, and is, can this be, is it why. could be dangerous and it could be you know not smart to to do things like that. Yeah, like this is why I've stopped worrying about changing my diet because. <laughs> oh, <laughs> we are not endorsing that. <laughs> well, it does get confusing because I mean, for like one thing, you know, I drink coffee every day, and I remember, you know, the slew of articles maybe six or seven years ago. I was like, oh, coffee is bad for you. Now apparently, coffee is good for you yeah, again. Yeah, so a, yeah. Oh, what's that article that just came out? Like avocado cause heart disease or something like that. Yeah, yeah. There was yeah. Yeah. Or like you. Sh- or like eggs are bad and eggs are good and eggs are bad and eggs are good. So you should run a lot, but you should also not run. I don't know. It's tough. It's tough being a uh, consumer of science in the in our world. Yeah. So just you do you, man. Yeah. Um, Eat those potato chips. Yeah. Well. Okay, so I'm going to go home tonight, and I'm going to get as big a permanent magnet as I can, <laughs> set it on top of my head, and I'm pretty sure that'll fix my memory mm-hmm. problems. I, get, I mean, I just, it might. There's something, you know, very effective called the placebo effect, if you, if you believe. This, this well, now you, but now you've ruined it. <laughs> no, actually, there's a study that has shown that even if you know that you're, what you're taking is like a placebo pill, it still can be helpful. I mean, it depends on the outcome. Like, maybe the placebo will cure cancer, but it might cure, like... Your, mi- your memory, minor memory problem. What? Mm-hmm. Well, maybe. Who well, knows? okay, then I'm going to do it. I'm Whatever. Do it. I, think it's a, I think it's a cool study, though. I just want to put it out there though but some of the claims like i will i'm gonna say that before the show you were concerned about shitting all over this no, no, okay yes well okay there's there's always things to shit on i mean otherwise like whatever <laughs> there is am but, i outing you as a shitter honor of popular science <laughs> no i are you kidding me i'm <laughs> notoriously skeptical of everything i read but i i what i what i want to say is that um it's kind of ridiculous to say that like you can magically make all memory go back to that of a 20 year old when they did one task so maybe in one task they performed better than they did before the stimulation but a it's that's not all memory there's many different types of memory b it's the the it's the task they were using to member to measure said memory and c what other consequences of stimulation that weren't measured could be going on like maybe they could remember that task but maybe something because you know it's not specific to stimulating quote-unquote memory neurons they think that they you know basically stimulated a frontotemporal connection which is the frontal part of the brain the temporal part of the brain are two giant areas you know so it's not like I think you also mm-hmm. have to ask, I, I've just, um, I just came off of my uh, med psych rotation and, you know, we had a, quite a few patients we were giving ECT to, and it's a similar concept that stimulating the brain, you know, can help these people who uh, are in these deep depressive states or even catatonic. So I wonder if the stimulation really directly improved their memory or even if it improved, you know, their mood enough, which, which, yeah, because people who are depressed have actual measured cognitive decline, which when they come out of that depression, they perform better Mm. on these tests. So it's hard to say what was the direct effect of that stimulation. Yeah. And of course, if you go read the actual article, they're like, uh, yeah, this is, this is super preliminary and, um, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of interesting, but Mm -hmm. you know, there's a lot of work that could be done in this area or that should be done in this area Mm -hmm. before we make claims. But you know, the newspaper, yeah. Website well, writers actually, aren't going to. It's interesting because I, I think one of the claims, too, is that in young participants who scored p- 
more poorly than their age match counterparts on the memory task. Once they were stimulated, they also did better. So it's not implying that it's rescuing uh, a decline of a natural process of aging. It's implying that your memory is improved by stimulating, right? So that could be maybe mood dependent memory oh. changes or sleep, sleep. Um, could like, be could be a lot of different confounds. Yeah. So w- w- yeah, like maybe being zapped in the head makes you like wake up a bit more. Yeah. yeah. So I don't that wake me up. <laughs> I basically am just don't want old people to go around zapping themselves. That's all. Yeah. So, <laughs> so maybe a more accurate grandma like got his, no grandma don't do it cord straight from the outlet. You know, especially because yeah. the word zap is in the title. Mm-hmm. Like it, it doesn't imply like TMS was used. It just yeah. kind of sounds like stick your finger in an electrical socket. We uh, we here at the Shortcut Podcast do not advocate electrocuting yourself. Or no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so maybe a more accurate title would be um um like. Device that sends a current through your head makes elderly people better at remembering the names of three flowers or something like that. Right. <laughs> well, okay. Well, thanks for uh, crapping on my dreams, LJ. Sorry. Having a Sorry. great memory. <laughs> you know, um, when you want to know what your fellow human beings are thinking about, what their hopes and their dreams are, their concerns and vexations, I find that the best place to go to find that out is the health section of Yahoo Answers. Yes, my favorite place. Shall we answer some health questions from uh, presumably real people? Let's do it. Yeah. We'll do it with a straight face. All right. (laughs) I can't ever. All right. Let's start with with this question. What jobs could a six-fingered individual perform better than a normal five-fingered person? Pianist. I thought about that too, but it could also get in the way. Maybe I don't know. I don't know. Are, are it, do people who have six fingers? Is the extra fingers functional usually, or are they just uh, normally it's just spare? a little nub out here, or at least yeah. the ones I've seen? Well, I'm gonna assume from this question that it is a full finger. I okay. mean, well, if it was just a with little all nub, the appropriate, like yeah, um, maybe this person. Joints. I mean, you know, it's possible to have a fully functional six fingers, just not as common, mm. right? Yeah, I guess. maybe this. I mean, I'm assuming maybe this person actually has you know, six fingers and is like looking for a career advice. True. Mm-hmm. High-fiving polydactyl cats. <laughs> okay. That's the first thing that I think of when you say six fingers. Okay. I was going to think like holding large objects, like maybe palming a basketball. If you had like another digit ah, to hold on to. Basketball or... player. Yeah. If you're, if you're plus <gasps> six feet and have six fingers. Wait, I, I have an important question here. Uh, How would a six fingered person Give someone the middle finger. <laughs> I mean, you're, you're at a true disadvantage your entire life. You can't properly flip anyone off because you don't have a middle finger. You can do it the British way. It's like this. Oh, that's true. Yeah. That, yeah. That's the British way? How did I not know? Yeah, it is. I don't know. Oh, maybe you've never like accidentally ran over someone in Britain before. <laughs> that is. <laughs> oh, yeah. British. That's the way I learned it. That's fine. Um, yeah, that's a good point, though. It's a good point. You'd have to adopt the British, uh, Australian sort of colonies countries. So. Oh, no, I know. Use the other hand. Like, do this and then stick one finger up and do this. Oh, there you go. That's fine. There you go. Yeah. And this is also like similar to Italian way, which is like this. True. You know, we're on a uh, audio podcast here. So <laughs> it's a little difficult, but OK. I don't have a good working memory. Sorry. Um, what? Uh, any other jobs we can think of for this this uh, person? Mm. Yeah, you could be a magician that like stabs um, a nail through like one finger. <laughs> Sorry, I, I'm going to assume that they still have pain uh, pain sensors in that extra. finger. Yeah, but then they'd have five other fingers. So even True. if they wrecked that one, it wouldn't like impact their life too much. Okay. 
That's excellent advice. We don't advise our listeners to electrocute themselves, but pound a nail through your through your sixth finger. That's you can fine. pick three noses at once. Just two <laughs> fingers per nostril. No, two fingers per person. What? Wow. <laughs> All right, let's try. Uh, you could grab someone by the foot and like hang them upside down too. Also, like any just like counting job. I mean, mm. like think about it. You know. Yeah. How many people? How many people think in base eleven? I mean, if you have. <laughs> If you have 11 fingers, or base, wait, yeah, wait. base 11. Base 11. No, no, that. you had 12 fingers. If you have like no, one each hand. Oh, I was picturing one hand with six. I don't oh. know why. That's interesting that you yeah. have two hands with yeah. six. Okay, base 11 or base 12. Yeah. I mean, you, you that would make you valuable to somebody. Yeah, definitely. Out there. Like maybe a kindergarten teacher or like a sixth grade <laughs> teacher, you know, where you have to count I up. don't know. Math Kids are teacher. brutal. I would not walk into a kindergarten with six fingers on one hand. <laughs> yeah. I'm mercilessly. <laughs> okay, I was thinking, yeah. like, you know how, like, sometimes Look, you're like. I, I want to say something here. I, I, I don't want, you know, if you, if listeners, if you have. Uh, six fingers or love somebody with six fingers. Oh, we're awful. We're not. We, we really we're getting hate mail. We don't. We're not saying that. Uh, yeah, we're not saying negative things about people with six. No, fingers. we're all saying that they are awesome and that they and that cats have six. Some many, cats have many cats. Many cats and they yes. are excellent. And, and cats are beloved pets, and so we love your six fingers. True. Let's move oh, on before oh, we get into with more very trouble. specific tastes. With very <laughs> Let's move on. Sorry, moving on. This is a related question, though. My pinky finger feels numb. Am I dying? Please help. I'm 20 and this started out of nowhere last night at 7. It is 9 now the next day. My pinky finger alone on my left hand feels numb and odd. It feels a bit how it does when your hand falls asleep but different. It isn't painful or tingly. Just numb and buzzy a tiny bit. It feels like my finger is empty and weird and numb and buzzy. It feels a bit better but it is still there. It is pink and warm and my mom says I'm fine, but I'm having a panic attack and I'm so worried. Am I dying? Can anxiety do this? <laughs> I'm going mean, to go out on a limb. I can only hope that this person went to the hospital immediately. <laughs> <laughs> Although not to mention, I just want to put it out there. At first I was like, you know, kind of chuckling to myself, but then I heard pink and warm and wait, oh wait. Maybe that's normal. I was thinking like infection. Because <laughs> oh. <laughs> my hands are not pink and warm ever. Mm -hmm. They are very, very and cold and very, very pale. Yeah, yeah. slightly cyanish. You might want to, uh, you might, if you were, if this person was in front of you, I think you'd want to get. We want to know, is her pinky pinker and warmer than, than the rest usual. of the fingers? Yes, yeah. or the, yes, exactly. Well, I think that our right answer for this person on the internet is without a full history and physical exam, we can't tell you whether this is something serious or something that, um, that you can wait two weeks for. Because what if we're all laughing here and she's got cellulitis? Okay, but cellulitis is, hurts and this person's chief complaint point is that her finger is numb okay but what if she has like a um, nerve a damage. cervical nerve yeah. pinch and she can't feel the pain but she has cellulitis what cervical <laughs> what cervical nerve would you pinch to just cut off sensation to your pinky though maybe it's um a peripheral nerve pinch mm. i don't know <laughs> yeah or like maybe she has a oh no maybe she has like reverse avocado hand Oh, right. Yeah, like maybe she could be leaving out of her history. By the way, I was cutting like I was cutting avocados and I buried the knife in the side of my um, the side of my hand, yeah. but it healed up. So I wasn't too worried about that. And now I have cellulitis and my pinky's numb. Well, we should. I mean, she did say it was out of nowhere, I guess. So, mm. well, yeah, but so are knives. Yeah, true. <laughs> um, I, I mean, I, I mean, considering how important to health having a functional pinky is 
I, she could be in serious trouble. I hope she's the six fingered person also right <laughs> in. And then you just. And then you're like, it. oh, I got yeah. you. Can't, you have one to waste. I don't give mm-hmm. a shit. Yeah. All right. That's good. Uh, let's try uh, another one. What happens to your body when you skip showers three days in a row consistently? <laughs> what happens to your body? Was that guy British? It, it becomes smelly. <laughs> I would. That's the medical term. <laughs> What happens to your body? Well, ba- don't bacteria, they, they, you become smelly, not because of your sweat, but because of bacteria that are like feeding off of your sweat, yeah, basically. Yeah. 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 You'll become heavily colonized. Mm-hmm. You, you don't have to, uh, you don't have to uh, publicly out yourself by saying so, but does anybody here regularly skip days? Um, it's, oh no, because like working at the hospital, I don't know what's on me by the time I come home. Yeah, yeah. I'll own it. You'll own it. That's fine. I mean, <laughs> skipping days is fine. I, I hardly ever skip days. Uh, I feel um, that I get ripe real quick. And so, you know, I might skip a Sunday. Mm. Day of rest. Mm. You know, even the bacteria need a little rest. So I'll let them. I also feel like there's, Bacterial there's Sabbath. like different kinds of showers. You know, there's the like real quick, yeah. like in and out shower. And then there's the, I'm going to wash my hair and shampoo and conditioner mm-hmm. and shower, which for, you know, some female listeners yeah. or male listeners with yeah. longer hair might know it, that's a, you know, Process. can be a 30 minute endeavor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's like the shower that's sole purpose is to wake you up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or the, the the one that's just like, I'm freezing and want to stand in a waterfall of hot water. Oh, yeah. yep. yep. That's, so, that's, I, I love that yeah. shower. I took, I took that shower quite a bit this past winter. Yeah. Nice. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, maybe this one is uh, sort of related to that. So my armpits smell. At first it was my left and it smelled like melted butter and was always itchy. Now it's just my right armpit that smells like melted butter and is always itchy. No. What's going on? Melted butter? Yeah, it's so oh my, bizarrely specific. No, that's a propionic that acid smell? scent, dude. Like, um, um, it is something that I've noticed a lot with my Caucasian friends. Uh-huh. Um, in fact, actually, in the 19th century, when Commodore Perry opened up Japan in 1853, one of the terms that the, um, that the Japanese used was butakusai, which means things like butter, to describe foreigners. No kidding. I'm not. I'm, which is, which is I don't why, think... No, uh, but yeah, it's because... It's because if you and if you look at it, um, uh, people of East Asian de- descent do lack... Um, do not have as many apocrine glands in, the, um, in their armpits. And the apocrine glands they do have, actually, they have, well, we can't put a finger on exactly, but it's got a different, um, it's got a different make, the secretions have a different makeup. Hmm. Than, I have like, heard this mm-hmm. before, actually. I can't recall where, but I have heard this. I am so I just, glad. The butter yeah. thing is throwing me off. Maybe yeah. I'm not melting my butter correctly, but I don't. No, no, I. Like, Wait, like, are we talking about like movie theater popcorn butter smell? That's or that's delicious. Like, yeah, I like one to be so lucky to smell yeah, we, we, like. I mean, no, it does not smell delicious. We're talking about we're talking about rancid butter smell. Ew. Yeah, it's kind of like this kind of it's kind of like an oily kind of very body smell. Okay. Wait, do, do you guys seriously not smell it? Maybe because me, I like, smell. You've never look, smelled this look, before, no. Arisa. Arisa. Yeah. I have. I emit all kinds of smells. <laughs> all right, I am a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, if you don't know, listeners, I'm a white male uh, of uh, Italian descent. I'm swarthy. I am uh, sebaceous, 
by nature. Uh, it's not everyone. It's I'm like, oily. Yeah, I'm oily. And this is why, you know, like I have to shower every day. Otherwise, you know, I get right. Look, fair. it's okay. It's a very, very, very specific smell. I think it's interesting to know that you're wandering around, though, uh, under assault from the odors of white people. <laughs> no, no, not not everyone. Not everyone smells bad. I just noticed it solely in some white people. Not every white person has it. Oh my god, I'm trying, I'm, racist. I'm trying to decide. <laughs> I'm trying to decide right now whether, when I'm in your presence, I should be self-conscious. Oh no, don't worry. Like, you don't smell like butter. If, if I should feel self-conscious or if I should feel like we're sharing a little something between us. You know what I'm saying? Like little. I can't believe this is a thing. I just Googled butter smell sweat uh, yeah. and it's everywhere. I can't. So how did I not well, know? The, yeah, about... Daphne's phrase, but, but, this person, but this person suddenly or not suddenly, but can smell her own butteriness. But unilaterally. So that's very impressive. Maybe she just didn't shower for three days. Or maybe she suddenly become Asian. <laughs> And now she can. Sp- that would might be your bigger uh, your bigger thing to contact your physician about, just because you know to change your uh, to, to change your uh, DNA. In I woke so up swift- Asian. Yeah, I woke up like this. Yeah. All right. Well, let's let's try another one here. I've got a stick stuck in my arm. How long will it take to get infected, or will it be fine? <laughs> like. <laughs> I have some questions about that. Yes. Um, how big is the stick? Uh-huh. What is it made out of? Presumably wood. Yeah. Yeah. But where, I, I mean, what's the source of the wood? No. I mean, if yeah. it's, if it's from like a, if it's <laughs> like a splinter from like furniture or like, did you go in the woods and yeah. Is it from a, uh, a pallet, which could contain industrial chemicals? Is it, uh, or are you a vampire and there someone was trying to drive a stick through your heart and they missed. Cause then you have bigger problem. Cause you're a vampire. Yeah. You're a vampire. Or are you a medical student and you swabbed someone's infected wound and then gave yourself a splinter with that swab? And the person had TB, HIV, Hep C, and everything else too? Yeah. And West Nile. Even if the wood was from the woods versus (laughs) from the furniture, unless you like sterilized the skin before the, the stick entered... You still probably shoved some bacteria inside. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, but there's... There's no getting away with it. My friend, yeah. you probably will be infected. But there's like a difference between like bacteria from like an industrial palace that's been lying in the sun for like 48 and days. And natural colonization? No. Sure. Oh, no, and, and like a stick that like someone pooped on. That's that a good... Is, yep. Sorry. <laughs> A few point. differences there. That's, <laughs> but I mean, if it's small, like Philly up. pointed out, the size might matter. Like maybe your body will just fight it. But if it's giant and like you have like an arm-sized stick in your arm, yeah. What if yeah. it's their bone? Yeah. Oh, oh. What if they're what if they're mistaken about its etiology? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe they its had origin. Yeah. Ooh, uh, I once uh, got a giant splinter in my foot walking across the floor in my crappy apartment when I was a student, which my roommate had to take out with with a pair of Leathermen Ooh. pliers. Um, not an actual pair of leather. Me- yeah. Um, God damn. And he how actually big your foot? he actually had to you know like lean into it to get it out. But it was literally it was it was like a matchstick. So, you know, that sounds awful. Yeah, it was it was it was pretty good. All right. Um, Good luck with the stick in your arm. Let's talk about this one. What should I do if my friend wants diabetes? (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) Not be friends. That's the full question. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, what more? I mean, mean, come on. What more do you need? That's like a a history all in one question. This person needs a supportive friend, you know? 
go out there, buy them some of their favorite candy, and wish them luck. <laughs> okay. You know what I think that this Ashley might be referring to? Like a situation that I've actually heard before. Uh-huh. What is she saying that t- type 1 diabetes? The thing with type 1 um, type one diabetes is that if you don't take your insulin and you eat a lot of carbs, and like technically it's like you don't you don't really get all the calories from it. I mean, you do oh. go to DKA, but you do lose weight and stuff like that. So this is so this is your your idea, perhaps, is that somebody yeah. wants to lose, to lose weight. That's what I'm wondering. Are they like maybe someone who's insecure about their body image has very well? I don't know. I mean, there are paths forward to get type one diabetes, right? I mean, if you destroy your pancreas, pancreas mm-hmm. um, so if you want to be a real friend, destroy their pancreas. I mean. Pick, pick a way that you want to be a real friend. I don't think I want to be your friend. <laughs> no, okay. A real real friends may or may not destroy each other's pancreases. This is it's all in the name of beauty. So mm-hmm. I think maybe what this person really needs is not an endocrinologist, but maybe a psychiatrist. Yeah. That's yeah. where I was thinking too. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But maybe like they see it as an easy way to lose weight or yeah. something like that. Yeah. Well, it's not. That is is it expensive? Time-consuming way to lose weight. Yeah. Also, it's bad. Also, it one that you will and, keep you hooked yeah. up to a pump. Yeah. So. <laughs> um. All right. Uh. Let's do one more. Tingling in pants. What is the most likely reason for this? <laughs> Incontinence. They probably saw someone wearing our uh, t-shirts that we saw. <laughs> 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 I know oh, I get a little tingle God. when I look at those t-shirts. I'm not saying they're in my pants, but... Um, wow. Wow. Um, wait, oh, it, wait, hold on. I'm sorry. Was it tinkling or tingle? Oh! <laughs> oh, are we just like I a... was going to say pregnancy. I thought also she said tingling. <laughs> that's hilarious. I know you meant like someone was... And then that's why you say like, oh, maybe they're wearing one of my shirts. I'm like, yeah. I don't care if I'm going to laugh anyways. So here's LJ and Arisa going like, um, why would t-shirts make you tinkle in your pants? That's why I, and when you said that, I was like, oh. And Dave was like, oh yeah, that happened to me. I'm like, I don't know. Dave peed his pants this morning, so. Like, okay. Casual. This is a strict, strictly judgment-free zone. That's another uh. reason why I take showers more often. But yeah, that's good. Oh my yeah. god! But but okay. But tingling—if you ever feel like tingling your pants, it's like just like <laughs> speaking of my personal experience, just be really careful because there might be a mouse in it. Okay. Oh wow! That's... It was my mouse, so don't worry. It was okay. Okay. Wow. That's her name was Daisy. I'm sorry. Can we just repeat the question? But the question is, what is the most common tingling cause? in pants? What is the most likely reason for this? Yeah. Okay. Most, I would say, most likely reason. I was going to say redirection of blood flow. Uh, <laughs> yes. We don't know if I, I, I chose a male voice for this, but I don't know if uh, if uh, it's it's a, but it's the same, the same, same good, thing. same thing. Yeah. 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 Pet mouse or your pants. Yeah. Okay. Arisa's is going with pet mouse. We're going with blood flow. Mm-hmm. I think it's more likely okay. a blood flow yeah. thing, but I'm not a doctor like Arisa. I mean, Risa is Risa is about to graduate and become an internal medicine physician. She is. Yeah. So maybe, so maybe we should go with her. We should mm-hmm. her uh, learned medical opinion? <laughs> okay. Yeah, my opinion is remove the gerbil. All right, <laughs> that's enough out of you. <laughs> that is our show. Thank you for hanging out with me today, guys. You're welcome. Thanks for having us. Yeah. It's been a pleasure. Please come back, uh, Philly. But the I rest know. of you two can just get lost. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I know you guys will be back. 
And what kind of garbage person would I be if I didn't thank you listeners for making us a part of your week for all your questions and for your t-shirt orders. That'll make you tingle. If you're, <laughs> if you're new, it'll make you tingle. If you're new here and you like what you heard today, subscribe to our show on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. We love answering listener questions. So send your questions or whatever you like to the shortcoats at gmail.com. Or reach out on social media, or you can leave us a message three four seven short CT, and we'll talk about it on the show. Oh, and one more thing: right now, while your podcast app is open, if you want to make us feel terrible, leave a bad review and one star. Better yet, <laughs> if you'd like to give us some more stars and a positive review that makes us feel good to hear that you're happy with our work, that would be swell too. The show is made possible by a generous donation by Carver College of Medicine Student Government, ongoing support from the Writing Humanities Program. Our executive producer is Jason Lewis. Our opening music is by Dr. Vox, and our closing music is by Catmosphere. Talk to you in one week. 